in the service, children in kindergarten through second grade are welcome to primary church. And if you're going to remain in the service, you can look in your Bible. We're looking at Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Or you can find the text in your order of worship, or you can use your phone or your Kindle or any other TSA-approved device. And um, I say to you, hear the word of God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we come here uh, looking at the, the Ten Commandments and as we especially consider this commandment with regard to the Sabbath, I pray, um, I pray that it would bring freedom this morning. I pray that it would bring joy. I pray that it would, it would bring rest to people's hearts and souls, uh, atypical of what we often think of when we think of the Sabbath. Father, I pray uh, that it would bring release for those who feel captive to work and toil. I pray for myself that you be in my head and in my thinking and in my heart and in my understanding and in my mouth and in my speaking. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. You know, it's probably about 15 years ago now or so that um, the wheels of my life just sort of came off. I mean, they, they, they just came off. And, and you know, I was uh, planting a church. I was traveling about 30,000 miles a year. I was writing. I was doing all these kinds of things. And, and eventually I had to leave the ministry. And having left the ministry, I sought out who I thought. He, he's, many people would say he's one of the best counselors in the country. And I met with him uh, probably three times and, you know, just sort of trying to figure out what's wrong with me. What's, you know, what's going on? And so we met, and about the third time I met with him, and I knew that was the day he was going to give me his, like, prognosis or his diagnosis of Tommy Allen. And I thought, you know, okay, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to be schizophrenic, bipolar, depressed, you know, multiple personality, narcissistic, you know, whatever. I just was braced for it. And by the end of the session, I said, so what, what's my deal? And he said, well, I thought about a lot about that. And he said, Tommy, I think your, your primary problem is that you don't know how to rest. And my first response was like, you better get have a lot more than that for 120 bucks an hour. <laughs> you don't know how to rest. And he talked me through it, and I, you know what? He was absolutely right. For five years, I think I'd worked every single day and just worked to the max and tried to raise my family, tried to do everything. And eventually, I just crushed under it. And you know, now that I've changed quite a bit, I take, I take a day, one day off a week religiously. I even put on my email, some of you know. I don't answer email today. <laughs> That's all it says on the autoresponder. It doesn't even give an excuse. I don't, just don't do it on this day. So there's, in order to try and find rest, you see, we're looking at the, the Ten Commandments, and when you get to the Fourth Commandment with regard to the Sabbath, I think it's one of the most confusing to people that people either overdo it and make it a miserable experience, or since they don't really know what to do, they don't do anything with the Sabbath. And practically speaking, there might as well be nine commandments. And yet this, this commandment, in some sense, is right in the middle of all the commandments. Remember I told you, it, it's just a theory of mine, that the more explanation that the, the, the commandment gives is the harder it probably is to obey and the harder it probably is to understand. Well, this is up there as far as length of explanation. 
And yet, I think this commandment, of all the commandments, is actually put in there to, to bring life to us, to bring health to us, to actually rejuvenate us. And if we miss this commandment, we miss a whole lot. I mean, we don't just miss the gospel, but we actually miss this great thing that God has for us. So, with all that, I'm going to ask, start this morning with a question, and you'll see what it is. So, basically, the question is this, is how tired are you? And, and the, the, notice I didn't say, I want you, are you tired or not? It's not my guess, my, my assumption is that if you are in this church, and you live in America, that you are at some level tired. You know, I used to work for a pharma company, and we had, I sold a pain medication. I think this is from the Wong Baker pain rating scale that I modified for you. Um, so ask yourself, you know, if you had to rate yourself this morning, how tired are you? are you? Are you just not tired? If you told me you're not tired at all of anything, I'd say you're probably not telling the truth. Or are you just a little tired? Yeah, I'm a little tired. I've got some wearying relationships, but more, yeah, I'm more or less good. Or are you tired but happy? You know, there's that place, you know, maybe you work in the yard all day and you're, you're happy to accomplish it. Maybe are you just tired? Are you bone tired? How about, are you about to lose it tired? I mean, you know, it's, it's the tired, like if you've, if you've ever, you know, when you're a parent, and you've got like a two-year-old, and you cannot, you're just trying to keep your eyes open yourself, and you try to put the two-year-old down for a nap, and the kid's just fighting it, fighting it, fighting it, and you're thinking to yourself, someday you will dream about taking a nap. If you don't take a nap, I'm going to make it happen for you the hard way, if you know what I'm saying. That kind of tired, you're just about to lose it. Everyone in, our, in this room is somewhere on that continuum. And if you're somewhere on the continuum, I have good news for you this morning. God doesn't want you to live like that. And he's actually structured the universe so you don't have to. He gave us a fourth commandment. So when we talk about the fourth commandment, we're basically going to look at, at three things in a minute. Um, I have my slides out of order. In order to understand the fourth commandment, you've also got to understand this whole concept of toil. In other words, what do I mean by that. In other words, if you feel tired, here's why you feel tired. You feel tired because of something that happened a long time ago. Let me read to you Genesis chapter 3. Not the whole chapter, but if you remember, Adam and Eve have been told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they've done so, and God comes to the garden, and he's angry, and he begins to discipline them. He disciplines the serpent by basically saying that the seed of the woman will crush your head he disciplines the woman, and he says, your desire is going to be for your husband, but he will rule over you. In other words, it's going to be a relational conflict between you. And then he talks to Adam, last but not least. In verse 17, it says, and to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of dust you were taken, for, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And a way to sort of summarize that is toil. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God basically said to Adam, from now on, Adam, before you did this, your job was to work. He, he had, he'd worked before the fall and after the fall. Ultimately, in new heavens and new earth, you and I will work some way or another. But before the fall, work was basically equivalent to worship. And after the fall, he says, Adam, from now on, your work will be hard. Your work will be toilsome. No matter how rewarding you think it is, it's not going to be as rewarding as it could be. No matter how, how hard it is, it could always be a little bit harder. In other words, your work from now on will be difficult, and your work will wear you out. 
in order to understand why God would give us Sabbath, you have to understand the fact that toil is part of the, the curse, part of what we live with every single day. No matter how good you think you've got it, no matter how, how much you think you've sort of mastered things, at the end of the day, work and, and everyday life can become hard. Or as we often say in my household, nothing's easy, right? So if you understand that, it helps you understand why God would give us the Sabbath in the first place. It's now looking at three things. What are the three things in this commandment? Basically, the commandment tells us what to do, first of all, tells us how to do it, and why to do it. Okay? What to do, and even what is the Sabbath, and how to do it, and how to obey the Sabbath, how to keep it, how to, how to make it holy, and then finally, we're going to look at why we, you would do it. Why does God give this to us? So, what to do. Let me read to you verse... 11 again, or 8 rather. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So the first thing when you think about the Sabbath, it's differently stated even than the rest of the commands. It's positive. In other words, he doesn't say, he doesn't give a command that says, thou shalt not work on Sunday, or thou shalt not work on Saturday for them. In other words, he says, in different terms, he says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. In the Bible, what does it mean to remember something? Well, in the Bible, remembering is always sort of proactive and important. Like, so for example, say you're, you're a husband and you're sitting at the dining room table and your wife comes out and she's all excited and says, you know what today is, right? And you look up from your cornflakes and say, yeah. What is it? Oh, it's our anniversary. I remember. She'd smack you. Right? Just remembering the date doesn't do anything for you. Did you actually remember it? Did you actually proactively seek to memorialize it? Did you actually proactively seek to do something about it? So when God says, remember the Sabbath to make, keep it holy, he's not saying just remember, hey, yeah, that day over oh, there, that's the day God said we're supposed to keep holy. There's something we're actually supposed to be, to be doing. So he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And that why keep it holy? What does it mean to keep it holy? Well, to make something holy, in the, in the Old Testament at least, means simply to set it apart. In other words, it's, it's, not, it, it's less religious, I think, than we tend to make it. So remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, or set it apart, or to sanctify it. We also see that there's a six plus one pattern here. Most people, if you ask them, I don't know that we, we would think that the command also mandates working six days. You notice what that, it says that. It says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. I've never met any person in my whole life, no matter how literally they take the Bible, who has gone to their employer, they work Monday through Friday, and said, boss, the Bible mandates that I have to work six days, so I would like to come in and work also on Saturday for free. Have you, I've never met anyone who, who lobbied their boss to work extra because the Bible says so. So let's just say, if you, if you only have to work five days, then I guess that's good on you. But in the command, it says, six days you shall labor, and on the seventh you shall rest. Now, does, it matter, does the seventh matter? Does, is, is Sunday have to be the day? I mean, I could have probably done three sermons on this, but really what, what's important here is the pattern. Some people have to work on Sundays, right? Some people have other things that happen. The, imagine this, if you were on a desert island... And you didn't, you lost track of the days. You didn't know if it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. 
and you thought, you know, but I'm going to start obeying the, ten, the fourth commandment. If you said, I'm going to start today, work six days, I'm going to make my little marks on the bamboo, and then on the seventh, I'm going to rest, that would still be pleasing to God, I believe. It's the pattern of working and then resting that's important to him. So what the Sabbath day is, is one day out of six that you do something completely different. In other words, when, when the Bible talks about work, work has, is generally speaking your everyday job. You might be a teacher, you might be a lawyer, you might be a garbage man, you might be a mom, or you might be a homeschool, whatever it is. What do you normally do? It says do that for six days, and then on one day, set aside and make it holy to the Lord. So that's, that's sort of what it is. It's one day in seven that's to be set aside as a Sabbath. Now the question is, what do, why do I have gut check there? It's a gut check because of this. It's a gut check because, the, remember we told you, uh, when you look at the first three commandments, what the Sabbath does is it, it actually provides a gut check for the first three. So in other words, you're thinking to yourself, I just can't take one whole day and do nothing. Well, the question is, do you actually, are you going to trust God to provide for you on that one day? Commandment number one. Or is your work such an idol? Or frankly, are sports such an idol? Or is, are other things so, such idols to you that you're, you can't give them up in order to actually uh, do what God is asking here, to keep the Sabbath? And then, of course, the third commandment we talked about last week of taking his name in vain or bearing his name. Don't bear his name lightly. The Sabbath says, are you coming together and you, are you praising his name? Are you bearing his name? Are you celebrating his name? So the Sabbath functions as a gut check for the first three commandments. How do you obey the Sabbath? It's actually, I think, simpler than, than we think. Um, notice what he says in verse 10. He says, on it, the Sabbath, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. So that's pretty simple, right? Just don't work. What's the opposite of not working? What's all these things? In other words, remember we, and when we did the introduction to the Ten Commandments, I talked about all these principles that we got actually out of our, our larger catechism. And one of them is, remember I told you, I called it the coin principle, that whenever the Sabbath actually demands one thing, it also demands the negative of that thing. Or if it, or if it prohibits one thing, it, the demand, it demands also the positive. And so if it's saying to you, you shall not work, almost by definition, the, the opposite of that is to rest. The opposite of that, toilsome work, is to rejoice. The opposite of that is to recreate. So how, what, what does it mean to rest? You see, some, I think some of us... Um, we've sort of ruined the Sabbath. Not many of us, by the way, these days. I've talked to, I love talking to older members and they tell me stories about how, and it, when they were kids in, you know, Presbyterian churches or Dutch Reformed churches, that what it meant to keep the Sabbath was basically sit on the couch miserably all day until the sun went down. And so if you were a kid, do you, do you think you longed for the Sabbath? I wouldn't. I didn't grow up in church, but I wouldn't long for that by any stretch of the imagination. Imagine you were in Israel in Jesus' day. The Pharisees had come up with over 1,500 things that you could not do on the Sabbath. I mean, the, one of the craziest ones is you could dip a radish in salt, but you couldn't hold it there for too long because eventually the salt would begin to pickle the radish and you would be doing work of pickling. Those guys needed some other things to do in their lives, to be honest with you. 
But so do you think in ancient Israel, the, the average person looked forward to the Sabbath? I think I would rather shovel cow manure, right, than to, than, to, than to have to sit on the couch or to have Pharisees looking over my shoulder to see which way I scratched or which way I walked or how many steps I took or how many long was this. It's just crazy. The Sabbath, remember what Jesus told them? The Pharisees, his, his disciples were picking heads of grain and eating them on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees confronted them. And Jesus said, among other things, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the gift to you, not something that you serve. That's, so that's one thing to keep in mind. We tend to think of God in terms of being a taker. Like we've got to constantly please Him. We've got to constantly do something to make sure we don't fail the commandments. If you've been here for the first com- few commandments, you realize that that's pretty much futile anyway. But nonetheless, what you learn about the Sabbath is that God is not a giver, but in fact He's a taker. I mean, He's not a taker, but in fact He's a giver. He wants to give. Now, our... our Confession, by the way, says that works of necessity are okay. And they get that from where Jesus taught about these things. In other words, there's no place in the Bible that says you can't prepare food on Sunday. It just doesn't say it. There's no place. If you, if you have a job on Sunday, what you probably need to do is you need to figure out some other day of the week that you can actually set aside as holy for the Lord our God. So there are works of necessity. If you've got to feed your family, that's necessity. But the primary reason that the Sabbath was given to us was to enable us to rest, period. I mean, this, this commandment is, is, is outlandish in terms of ancient Near Eastern law. There's no other culture that has ever come up with, with a law that says, work six days and take one day where you don't do absolutely anything but rest. And we're going to see in a minute party, but we'll talk about that in a second especially for all people. Did you notice who gets the Sabbath here? You see, if some other culture, the Canaanites, were going were to give a Sabbath, they'd say, okay, all the warriors, you get Sunday off, and all the rich people, you get Sunday off, but all you poor people, how are they going to have a good day unless you grovel and serve them? That's not what the, the Jehovah says. He says, on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. In one sentence, the God of Israel has democratized rest. That rest is not just the, 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 the thing for the rich. That rest is something that all of us, God, is saying is a gift to us. So on one hand, the primary purpose of Sabbath is to rest. We tend to over-spiritualize it and think, well, you know, Jesus is my Sabbath, and so therefore I don't need rest. Let me tell you, you, you need rest physically, emotionally, and spiritually. The Sabbath was given to us for that. But it's also a time of of recreating. And by recreating, I mean things like celebrating. I mean things like parties. I mean things like cookouts. I mean, you know, if you look at the, the feasts and festivals in the Bible that were on Sabbaths, God doesn't say, you know, have a feast unto the Lord. Everyone sit in your couch and be miserable. All of the feasts, all of the festivals, they're, they're times of rejoicing. They're times of dancing. The Psalms were to be used in worship. And if you read through the Psalms, contrary to what some people say, the Psalms actually mandate clapping. The Psalms mandate dancing. The Psalms mandate the lifting of hands, believe it or not. In other words, the Psalms mandate that we actually play. When you look at Jesus, if you look at the Old Testament, There was not one person who was ever punished 
I mean, there are people in the, God, in the Old Testament who God literally smites for breaking the Sabbath. But none of them are, are, are ever punished for celebrating. None of them are ever punished for dancing. None of them are ever punished for feasting. Whenever they're punished, they're punished for working. In other words, God wants you to stop working for a day. The Sabbath is for feasting, not fasting. The Sabbath is not the day where you, you, you just go all austere on your life. The Sabbath is when you actually go for it. The Sabbath is when you rebuild relationships. The Sabbath is when you actually are able to rejoice. You're able to reconnect with people. I mean, here's a good test to see whether or not you're, you're, you're keeping the Sabbath or a Sabbath. Is whatever day that is for you, let's assume it's a Sunday, uh, whatever, whatever day that is, at the end of it, do you feel more refreshed and more rejuvenated or less refreshed and less rejuvenated? If you feel less refreshed and less rejuvenated, less happy, less joyful, uh, you know, it, all, hard, hard things aside, you're probably doing it wrong. In, in other words, are you enjoying the Sabbath? Because the final thing that we, we're to do on the Sabbath is rejoice. And by rejoice, I simply mean worship. Think about what, the, what you go through, some of us go through, for 4th of July celebration. Happens once a year on 4th of July, you think to yourself, woo, we're going to have a big 4th of July at Allen household this year, so what do we need to do? Well, you know, someone needs a plan, we need to have, you know, get the ribs, and someone needs to get, make potato salad, and someone needs to go buy beverages, and someone needs to bring ice, and someone, I mean, you plan, and you plan, and you plan, and you plan, until finally the day comes so you can remember the 4th of July. Is that how you attack every Sabbath day that we have? Ooh, Sunday's coming up. What needs to happen is we need to call all of our friends and someone needs to bring the ribs and someone needs to bring the beverages and someone needs to do this. And someone... In other words, that if you're going to keep the Sabbath, it's probably something you need to plan for. It's probably something you need to think about. I mean, in my family's getting trying to do this even more and more. Are we, are we trying to have people over more on the Sabbath? That's what it's for. The rest of the week, everyone we know is so busy. Come over on Sunday. Come over and spend time with us. And what do you do when you get there? Well, do you have to study the Bible? No, you just sit around and enjoy one another if you want. But God has given us the Sabbath so that we can rest. He's given us the Sabbath so that we can recreate. And he's given the Sabbath so that we can rejoice. We rejoice in the God that created us and the God that saved us. And that takes us to the last point. So why do we obey the Sabbath? In verse 11 he says, for in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So in this version of the Ten Commandments, there are actually two, um, in this version of the Ten Commandments, the reason we're given is creation. That we are called to bear witness to God's character. We're called to, to bear witness to his character before the nations. We're called to imitate him, in other words. And so what do you see God do? I'll read it to you. It's only two sentences in Genesis chapter 2. It's at the end of creation. And it says in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on, on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So God creates everything in six days, or he brings order to things in six days, and then on the seventh day, he rests. And do you remember what he does on that day of rest? He doesn't just say, okay, I finished everything, now I'm not going to do anything. 
You get this sense that on the seventh day, he, he rests from his works of creation, and then he actually enjoys them. In other words, he proclaims, he saw what he had made, and it was very good. You get this idea that he actually was looking at what he was doing, and he was enjoying it in his rest. It's sort of like, you know, I've seen my wife make bread, and it's like, you know, this whole, it's just this big process. You know, it's like, man, I would hate making bread. And then as soon as she starts making, pulling it out of the oven, and you can smell it, it's like, ooh, I love making bread. Now, of course, that's easy for me to say because I'm watching, but nonetheless, you get the idea that, that there's this work that happens, and then there's this enjoyment after, knowing that you, you did work. And so, by virtue of creation, God did uh, work for six days, and then he rested. He entered into a rest that continues to this day, his, his rest from his works of creation or creating activity. So, God is in that rest right now. And so the question is, where does that leave us? Adam and Eve, assuming they hadn't fallen, they would have actually entered into that rest with him. And God says to them that because of creation, that this pattern is to be for you six days of work, one day of rest. By the way, people who say that the Sabbath is, is gone, if the Sabbath is one of God's remedies to the fact that the ground is cursed and there is toil in all of our work, then the Sabbath will be around until the end of all time. Until Jesus comes back and it's all over and we actually enter into the same rest that God has entered into. That we actually join him. Remember Hebrews says there's a rest that waits the people of God. So creation is one reason we honor the Sabbath. The other reason is redemption. Remember these, the Exodus version of Ten Commandments basically says, I'm the Lord your God who delivered you out of the land of Egypt. In Deuteronomy, Moses gives some commentary there. And he says in verse 15, when he reads the commandment to them, he says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. And then verse 15, he says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. In other words, we don't just keep the Sabbath because we were, were imitating God. We keep the Sabbath because he wants us to take one day and remember Remember that we used to be slaves in Egypt, Israel at least. In other words, they were slaves. Imagine if you were in Israel for 400 years, they didn't have a day off. Their taskmasters uh, you know, made them just slave away, making bricks without straw, all those kinds of things. What the Sabbath does is it reminds us not only of our redemption, but it reminds us that we serve a different master now. You see, Pharaoh, the evil taskmaster, if you're in Israel, is not your master anymore. You now serve a master who is a giver, not a taker. And the master now says you serve him, but one day rest from your toil. Now, how about for Christians? Remember, Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and what? I will give you rest. So there's a sense in which, on one hand, we rest from our striving, we rest from our, from our labors, we rest from trying to impress God because Jesus has fulfilled the fourth commandment. In other words, he perfectly obeyed it. And because he perfectly obeyed it and went to the cross and bore the curse, we now have his righteousness, our sins are forgiven, and we, God looks at us as being as righteous as he is. But hear me closely. Jesus fulfilled the fourth commandment, but he didn't really finish it on purpose. There is a final rest. Remember, Hebrews says that it's waiting for the people of God. There, there's coming a day when because of what Jesus did on the cross, 
because of the, the redemption that he has accomplished for us, that we will actually enter in to rest with God our Father. Only because of the work of Jesus the Son. But the work of Jesus the Son accomplished everything we need. The, what the Sabbath is, is it's held out there in some sense as a final reward for his church, those who would follow him and love him. So at this point, you know, the question is, is the Sabbath worth reconsidering if you haven't considered it? Is the Sabbath worth reconsidering if you've over-considered it? Let me close with this. You know, probably about five or six years ago, my oldest daughter, I used to run when I was young, and she wanted me to start running with her, and I said, okay, I'll, you know, I'll do it a little bit. And then a buddy of mine in Baltimore wanted me to run a marathon with him. And I said, ooh, no. I'm not going to run a marathon. I'm too old now, you know. Um, I said that, you know, I think I was 45 at the time. Someone at the last service said, I ran my first marathon at 60. She shamed me, of course. Um, But I I said, I can't do it. And he said, you know what, I've got a book. If you read this book, I promise you you can do it. And I've I've become sort of an evangelist for this book myself. I've given it to some of you. And basically, the book is entitled, has a creative title of Marathon. And then the subtitle is You Can Do It. It's a guy by the name of Jeff Galloway. And the way he teaches people to accomplish being able to run a marathon is by using this method that he calls a walk-run method. That you walk for a certain amount of time and you run for a certain amount of time. So every person, it's different. Like typically, like right now, I'm not training for anything, but I still run. I'll run for four minutes and then I'll walk for a minute. Now the running for four minutes is actually pretty fast for me. The walking is walking. And what's his, what is his theory, and it seems to work, it's just this, is that when you run, you're getting sort of micro tears and things in your legs. And when you walk, you're using completely different muscles, so for that one minute, your body is actually repairing those micro tears. And then you take off again. Run, walk, run, walk, run, walk. I think when I did, I did the marathon a few years ago, and I think we did 6-1. Not because of the Sabbath, but that's what it was. But what's the point here? It, it's the same principle as the Sabbath that you're able to run faster during the, during the run times if you take the rest time in the middle. And it was even bigger than that is because, you know, some days if you've ever run, there are days you go out and like yesterday was one for me. I went out and I'm like, I got to do five miles a day and I would rather just be at home watching TV. And so when I'm on days like that and I feel miserable and I feel like my shoes are filled with concrete, I look forward to and long for every one minute break that's coming. Other, I'm not kidding. So you start running and you're like looking at your watch three minutes ago, two minutes ago, one minute to go, walk. And so every four or five minutes you're getting to walk and you long for that time. And so it's actually the break that pulls you forward and compels you to keep running. The Sabbath is the same way for us. My prayer for you, my prayer for us as a congregation is that you would feel that way about the Sabbath. That you would look and you would say, man, I can't wait to that. You know, it's three days till Sunday. It's two days till Sunday. It's one day till Sunday. And then when you finally get there, there's just this, whew, now I can relax. Now I can be what God wants me to be for a little while and before I have to start running again. Think about that. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that as we consider this, the, all the Ten Commandments, um, it, it, in some ways they, they get deeper and harder. In other ways, they seem to be more and more freeing at least in my experience. And so I pray that as a congregation, we would feel freed up by the Sabbath commandment, not bound up by it. That we would be, be people who long to feast on this day, not people who, who are afraid and so fast. I pray that you would make it a day of rejoicing for your people.
Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.